And welcome to Gleaming in the Geek, Trade Deadline, Re-Edition, Rehash Edition. I'm John Bonos of Trunes Daily with me, Aaron Gleaming of The Athletic. Will we have time to review all their moves? <laughs> it's only an hour and a half long show, we might have to go two hours. <laughs> we won't be going as deeply into our disappointment uh, about the Twins' lack of moves as we did on Tuesday during the uh, Patreon edition. We did one because neither of us had to write anything. <laughs> yeah. Somebody from the Twins even said we did a Zoom with uh, with Derek Falvey, I guess, at 5.45, like a 40 minutes after the deadline passed. Right. And someone else on the Zoom from the Twins said, well, you guys don't have to write about anything. And uh-huh. I said, well, yeah. Also, this is in some ways a bigger a story. A much bigger story. And than they you, seemed yeah. uh, dumbfounded by that. This is a much bigger story than if you pick up some random right-handed yeah. hitting outfielder. Right? I'm not sure the extent to which the, the Twins, I don't want to speak for Falvey himself. Maybe he didn't, I don't know why he would care about the fan reaction necessarily, first and foremost. But the extent to which uh, people are like, no moves is like, that's the story, I guess, <laughs> as evidenced by the fact that, yeah, we did a Patreon 45 or about an hour after, hour and a half after, uh, where we just sort of, a lot of ranting, <laughs> a lot of just hour and a half, hour and a half of us looking at each other asking, why, what, what, yeah. what like, all right, usually yeah. one of us comes in with a, with a bug up their ass, usually it's me, obviously, <laughs> and the other one, usually you, kind of, I don't want to say talks them down, but at least has some th- theory about well, what if you think about it this way, right, or right, eh, right. it's not as bad as you think because what about this? And like, yeah, like you said, we both just kind of kept looking at each other, going, "What the hell?" We've been doing this a long time, and I, I don't think it's by any means on any list of the the worst things they've done or anything. <laughs> sure. But it's it was one of the more confusing, which is, and we I don't we can get right to it. I mean, since last we did this show, they've gotten swept in Kansas City. The trade deadline passed without them doing a single thing. Right. Uh, other than a week and a half ago, they traded Jorge Lopez for Don Flora, which we talked about on the right. last episode. Uh, and then they take two out of three from St. Louis. So that's the good news. The other good news is Cleveland continues to lose games. Yes. And so the Twins are t- right now two, two and, and a half, half up yep. uh, in the Central, which, you know, maybe that uh, Cleveland actively made itself worse at the Yeah, deadline. that's the other good news. So, <laughs> right. you know, not necessarily for the future. They're always sort of doing the same thing, which is because of their significantly more limited even than the Twins' budget, which right now they have less than half the Twins' payroll. The right. Twins' payroll is like 150-something, and theirs is like 75, 70-something like that. Right. Um, and we've seen this before. They did this with Kluber. They did this with Trevor Bauer. They did this with, I'm trying to think, probably some other pitcher that I'm forgetting. But they have an incredible ability to develop starting pitching, and once those starting pitchers get into their third, fourth, fifth year where they're arbitration eligible, they're starting to make a little bit of money, you can start to see free agency on the horizon, and they rarely sign these guys to long-term extensions because they're budgetary issue right. um, from ownership. They just kind of look to swap them for, for future value, yeah. and they, they do it really well, and they, they do it so that they've been competitive largely for like 20 years, but... It's not a surprise. So this version of it was they traded Aaron Savali, who, you know, ERA probably overrates him, but I would say he's certainly a playoff caliber starting pitcher with a couple years of team control left. 
uh, but they have a new batch of uh, young starting pitchers that they've called up who are doing pretty well. So they traded him for a first base prospect, which they certainly need offensive help future wise. And then they traded their current designated hitter, Josh Bell, who's actually been hitting pretty well lately. Strictly, I'm assuming, because because they needed to make room for the new guy they brought up. Well, no, they they didn't bring him up yet. But for next year. It's going to be Josh Naylor and this new guy as your first uh, base DH. Right, so they yeah, didn't need right. Josh Bell, and Josh Bell has a player option, I think, for fifteen million next oh, year. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That he was almost that's surely right. going to pick up yeah. after a mediocre year. So they dumped his contract. They also traded their starting shortstop a few days earlier in Ahmed right. Rosario. Although I probably would make the case that that wasn't really making them worse, given how poorly he's played. But in general, this is a common thing from from Cleveland, which is they assess their current team, and it's you know, mediocre, much like the Twins, and they say, can we add future value to continue our competitive window, to to lengthen our competitive window without completely tanking this year's team's chances? And you can argue whether or not they've successfully done that, but from the Twins' standpoint, I do wonder whether this year or in past years or just in general, it's like, do we really need to kind of put pedal to the metal here when the the other three teams, Detroit, Kansas City, and Chicago, are clearly just shedding talent and and payroll and tanking for the rest of the season? And even the one team that can give us a fight here and has given us sort of a fight here, right. mostly they've just given each their own selves fights, <laughs> but um, is like actively gotten worse. But my argument to that is uh, a. You're only up two games right. at the yes, time. Right. Like yes. they could actively make themselves worse and stumble to the finish line and still beat you. <laughs> right, yep. And then B, if you do beat this Cleveland, this you know talent shedding Cleveland team, and you win your 83 games and you take this god awful division, don't you want to have a somewhat representative product for a three game playoff series right. that will be at home against a wild card team? Wouldn't you like, let's say, a right-handed bat in case you have to face a left-handed starting pitcher in one of those three games, or let's say a capable veteran reliever who can get three outs in the seventh or eighth inning in one of those games. And so that that argument fell a little bit short. But yes. um, twins do nothing. And we, I would, I would say, and I know people are like, well, why would you want them to invest, you know, go all in with this sort of mediocre team? I mean, if you've been listening to us for the last month, right? That's not we, that by was no not means what we were, what we were calling right. for. We, right. in fact, were saying make the moves on the margins. Just check a, a couple of boxes. That's the most puzzling part about yeah. it, right? Is that the price to be paid on this we, was not some enormous right. thing? It, it was. It was is. like they needed to go out and get a number one pitcher. They needed to go out and get. No. Uh, uh, a huge, uh, a star right-handed bat. You know, we we were just like we, the two things that are always available on the trade market are mediocre hitters and relief pitchers. Right, yeah, and mediocre relief bats pitchers, and right. relievers. Right. Are, I mean, there's always a dozen of them because even the worst teams, the clear selling teams, right. they got a couple of decent relievers and a, a bat or right. two that they can move. And eight or nine did move. Yes. And then there was a couple that just didn't move. Right. And you're sitting there going, well. Which I, Falvey brought up afterward. Like I said, we did a, a Zoom call with them because they were on the road in St. Louis. Right. It was the off day, but um, or they were about to play that night. and But Falvey was back home. Which I kind of get, like, I joked to him uh, like a week ago. Oh yeah, are you going to go to St. Louis and try to pull off this Goldschmidt deal in person? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Uh, but really, I would 
given the the volume of calls right. and texts and just information that they need to have on their hands right. at their fingertips for this, although I, I guess they didn't really need that, but uh, <laughs> theoretically, uh, I would want to be in my office too. Of so we did a Zoom call with him, and one of the things he said a couple of different times, including his very first answer, because Phil Miller, our, uh, our good friend, said, uh, what happened? <laughs> Nothing, basically. And Fabio was like, yeah, good question, Phil. Uh, which, uh, and That's, he said, That is a good question. Yeah, good yeah. question. Yep. And he said a couple things, but he kept repeating the idea that they were negotiating. He didn't name names or teams, but you can fill in the blanks. They were negotiating with teams that they thought would end up being sellers but we're kind of on the border of buy, sell, or neutral. And you right. know, you can connect the dots to be like the Angels, Angels, the Padres, maybe the Cubs, something like that. And ultimately, all of those teams, those three teams and maybe a couple others, pulled back and said, yeah. we, we're not going to be selling. And that is accurate. I don't think yeah, he's, the, he's lying the, the about only, that. The only real premier players that were traded, I mean, I guess a couple of uh, closers or relievers like Roberts and such, but most of the big names that – dominated the trade deadline were starting pitching. But I don't even mean big names. That's irrelevant. They weren't shopping for big names. I I just mean if you thought, uh, I don't know, Matt Moore would have been a good reliever or Hunter Renfro would have been a good outfielder, that the fact that the Angels decided a week ago, well, we're not going to trade Otani and we're actually going to buy a handful of pieces here. Well, those guys are no longer on the market. That's valid. I, I mean, yeah, I'm sure a handful of guys that they were in talks with ended up getting pulled off the market. We talked about a lot of Cubs and sure. Angels and yes. Padres when we were going through, right. um, including like Josh Hader, but also Bellinger. Just, yeah, right. Yep. And so, but but my question on that is, why were you only negotiating with those teams? Like, yeah, yeah. You, you you had zeroed in to such an extent that when I mean, listen, they certainly had, t- had conversations with the Mets about Tommy. Tommy, right. I don't mean to imply they were literally right. only. Yes, right. But if you say to me we were in talks with a few teams and they ended up not being sellers, yeah, okay, that that shrinks the pool of available options, but it doesn't eliminate the pool of right. available options. And so he he really didn't imply. I I thought again, I'm paraphrasing what he said. I could read you some quotes. I transcribed it, but he didn't really position it as we didn't do anything because the prices were exorbitant right i mean i think the agreement w- uh, league-wide was because the the lack of clear-cut selling teams right. and maybe the just for whatever reason the lack of stardom available other than like verlander and scherzer right. which was a very you know unique case right. cases um that it was kind of a seller's market that you could get you know a dollar 20 on the dollar but my point with the type of lower wattage boxes that the twins should have, and I think we're trying to check, which is even if you pay a dollar twenty on the dollar for a seventh inning reliever or a right-handed platoon corner right. outfielder, that still is not top prospects. And so that's the part that I think was confusing. We joked on the Patreon. I compared it to uh, Al Capone's vault yes. that they opened it up and there was literally nothing there. It just didn't occur to me. I, I we weren't expecting much. No, but it, it really, <laughs> we weren't expecting a big move. Right? It really did not occur to me that nothing, truly nothing, was a possibility right. because I just thought, why would you not just do something? Right. I mean, it, I, I think it's very, especially you know, within moments of the deadline passing, and it was at five o'clock, and then they played. I think it's six forty-five yes. uh, against St. Louis, so it kind of blurred into the normal pregame news right. cycle yes, where you're meeting right. with the manager and you're getting a lineup posted and all that. And so they announced in tandem 
Brock Stewart has suffered a setback in his recovery from an elbow injury, which has already taken about a month longer than they were expecting. Right. Uh, and so he's a huge question mark to pitch at all this season, which that impacts your need for a reliever, certainly. Right. And then they also announced Alex Kirloff. Uh, was going to be out longer than the 10-day minimum and would need a cortisone shot, I think, in his shoulder and all that stuff. And so that affects not your right-handed right. uh, bat search, but just your overall strength of your lineup. And so that made it even more baffling to me because, I, I mean, this didn't uh, they didn't wake up on Tuesday morning and find out about I mean, they've sure. known Brock Stewart has been Had a trending in the wrong direction yeah, right, here. Yeah, right. And so then it's like you, you made no trades – and you're not even sitting there expecting Brock Stewart back. Like at least that that premise I could kind of right. feel, yep. which is well, we didn't make a trade for a reliever other than Floro, right? Because we're expecting Theobar and Stewart back. Well, now you're not even expecting Stewart, Stewart back. back yeah. And so I don't know. It it seemed almost like they just didn't think it was worth the ha- like bothering. Like why bother? Yeah. Which man, that is a strange tack to take uh, <laughs> when you're up one game in the AL Central at the right. time, right? And yeah, right. also, why bother? You haven't won a playoff game in 20 years. That's right. that you need to do that because, as we've talked about, that looms over everything. Right? There isn't a single thing the Twins can do that during the regular season, certainly during the regular right. season, yeah. or even during the off season. Right. Unfortunately, right. nothing. They, they sign a player people have been begging them for. Or they make a trade that everyone agrees is good, or they have a five-game winning streak, or other, uh, you know, whatever hypotheticals mostly. And it's like there's always a certain segment of the fan base is like, yeah, well, they haven't won a playoff game in twenty years, right. and I don't know that that's like fair, but that's reality. And that, sure. and so I'm also I'm not sure it's unfair. Right, that's what I mean. It's like, <laughs> right, like well, yeah, is that a stupid right. criticism to constantly bring up for everything? Probably, Probably but, yeah. but it is a critic. Like, <laughs> yes, yes, and. Here's the other it thing. does. It does. You can understand why it dampens the rest of the regular exactly. season. Why the Absolutely. rest of the regular season doesn't mean a lot. Right. Why it's hot to trouble more more trouble selling tickets and such. Right. I mean, and show it, up. Whether it's a smart right. criticism or a dumb criticism, if that's how your fan base feels, that's the reality that you find yourself right. in from a team perspective. And so my thing is like, if you think you can sleepwalk to this division title. You may very well be right. Right. Uh, Cleveland may just not even put up a fight, and you can yeah. maybe win this thing with eighty-three wins. The day like after that. the trade deadline, I took a look. Baseball ref- Reference had the Twins a seventy-six percent chance yeah. of making the postseason. Fangraphs had them at eighty percent right. chance. You know, so you <laughs> right. might yes. just be able to coast to this thing and, and limp across the finish line and all that. But why not just add a little something, if only for the potential yeah. playoff matchup? Right. Yeah. And you know, we said the same type of stuff last year. By the way, this division has not been good for. 25 years essentially but last year similar story which is the twins led this division for most of last year and we you know they did make moves at the trade deadline those moves went very very badly for them they were you know uncharacteristically aggressive moves for more expensive player types which is a frontline starter a closer reliever and all that stuff and those were awful moves maybe they were scared away maybe they were doing that but my thing is like you don't need to even put yourself at risk for those type of uh bad moves because in you're you're not trading any of your top 10 prospects but by any means for a relief pitcher right right. for a seventh inning eighth sixth inning guy relief when we saw what those generally cost with michael fulmer last year it was uh, sawyer gibson long it was like their number 25 prospect or something like that and so and we saw i mean and it's similar for right-handed out hitting outfielders right the, the prospects that were given the ones that were moved Right, what play? What teams got back in return was not a top ten prospect. No, it was you know 
It was a guy they like who's somewhere in the 15 to 30 range. And the, the other thing that I think we both kind of felt was especially frustrating about the lack of action at the deadline was both of these areas of weakness, you know, right-handed outfield bat and just kind of overall relief depth or bullpen help, however you want to phrase that, have been clear weak spots for them since day one of the offseason in November. They were on every list. Sure. We talked about them as these are the needs. You know, they needed to find a shortstop. They needed to find a catcher. They needed what right. there was one other thing. And then, you know, this, right. these two. And they just, they didn't, they went completely unaddressed during the offseason. They didn't spend one cent on a major league relief pitcher during the offseason. And they added no right handed hitter who could play the outfield to the point that we were like, are they just going to run back Kyle Garlick in that role? It turns out they didn't even use Kyle Garlick, basically. They've gone mm-hmm. without that role in general. And so if you're not going to fill it during the offseason and then you're not going to fill it at the trade deadline because you say the options weren't there for you, you're just not going to fill it. There's just going to be, you're going to have the worst lineup in baseball against well, left handed pitching and you're just going to trot that out there. You know, all season we're talking about how, you know, these things need to be addressed, but they'll have to be addressed closer to the trade. Deadline right. Because nobody makes trades you know, during the season in sure. April, May, June, etc. And then with the wild card, it's not even in not even early July. It's not even the first three weeks well, of July. All I, of this thing is going to happen. What's going to happen is we're going to get to the last 72 hours and half a dozen of these guys are, or a dozen of yes. each of them is going to be traded. And that is what happened. That is what happened. It just didn't happen with the Twins. <laughs> right? It went on without the Twins' involvement. I think I read that 20... Uh, 29 teams either uh, traded for or traded away a prospect at the trade deadline. The only team that didn't was the Twins because the Twins did make one trade. Right. Lopez for for Floro. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah. it's And so that's what I don't get. I mean, I'm sure they'll tell you that they have confidence in their internal bullpen options, but I would say that that confidence is in guys like Emilio Pagan or Jordan Balzavic, um, who I guess I personally – don't have a great deal of confidence in let's right. just put it that way <laughs> and my other point there was what harm does it do to just add a little yeah, bit yeah. of insurance, insurance there? sure yeah right even from an injury standpoint right. i mean what happens if uh, griffin jacks goes down here or pagan goes down and then you're just what balzovic's pitching the seventh inning in a playoff game right. like that's not something fine when sunny gray goes seven and you can just go jacks right. to Durant. that's perfect but but th- we know that doesn't that doesn't happen in the playoffs right There's sunny no gray isn't last seven yeah right. in the playoffs that's right, right so um and then Let's see. There was a couple other things. Um, the, the other thing that Falvey said that I thought really struck me as not credible, uh, at least from where I sit, was, you know, he kind of said, well, you know, everyone wants us to bring in guys to fill these roles, but anyone you bring in bumps somebody from the 26-man roster. And he said that a couple of times. And I'm sitting there thinking, are we watching the same team? Like what? First of all, in the bullpen – Right. Two days earlier, they had sent Cole Sands down to the minor leagues after he went seven consecutive days taking up a spot on the 26-man runner with literally without peering, appearing in a game. Right. And they've used the last couple of bullpen spots as musical chairs forever. Right. I mean, Josh Winder comes up. Brent Hedrick comes up. The idea that, you know, you've had Oliver Tega come up and down. Like, <laughs> right, yeah. The idea that, oh, we, we couldn't have added a reliever because where would we have put them in the bullpen? Yeah, kick boot somebody out. Like, what, you've been doing that all year? And then, especially on the offensive side. Now, it's a little bit less obvious because, unfortunately, now Alex Kirilov is hurt, too. Which potentially, I think, saved Joey Gallo from getting DFA'd. I think so, too. Uh, But now... Well, if they would have actually acquired somebody. Right, that's what I mean. (laughs) But now they're like, well, we need Gallo as the left-handed 
part of a first base, base platoon with right. uh, Donovan Solano, which I suppose is technically true. But I might just say, why not just hit Donovan Solano against righties? Right. Joey Gallo has hit 160 in his last 75 games. You're you're telling me, well, we couldn't add a good right-handed bat that would actually, you know, from a utility standpoint, start two, three times a week yeah. in a row where we have no Because who can we kick off the 26-man roster? Joey Gallo. You can kick Joey Gallo off the 26-man <laughs> roster, except they are the ones who brought in Joey Gallo and paid him $11 million yeah. when there was no real need for him. They had a logjam of left-handed hitting outfielders anyway. And so We started talking in June about how the clock was ticking on some players' yeah. performance. And Turns out, no. By the end of July... That clock would certainly reach midnight. You'd think. No. Yeah. Not a lot midnight. of the stuff yeah. we assume or we think seems logical right. from a you know right. linear thinking standpoint. Like, okay, they took a one-year $11 million flyer on Joey Gallo, who's coming off a horrendous season where he hit 160. Well, surely, if he looks cooked after three months, they'll move on from him. Right. He looks especially cooked. if they've got you know say a left-handed bat sure. that they could replace him with with a yes can throw the ball ninety-eight miles per hour. Yeah, is, <laughs> is it starting to become clear why I wouldn't shut up about Matt Wallner getting an opportunity here? Right. I mean, I'm not going to tell you he's headed for the Twins Hall of Fame or anything, but the guy can hit. Right. Uh, we're starting to see that now. You can wonder, did he really need to play 150 games at AAA? Was that something that the Twins needed to do? Did they need to invest they, they $11 million a, they, in Joey Gallo in the given first the place? Given the success he's having, they played it exactly right. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> they should wait another three years. I think already he'll be three years from now. Uh, let's see. Just to wrap up the, the trade deadline stuff. Yeah, If you want, you know. An hour and a half of these last ten minutes. I can't. I don't, that's not a great sell. I realize, but uh, we uh, was very. Uh, I don't know. Cathartic. Sure. We opened up a vein. Uh, let's see. There was one other. Uh, oh well, and and then just the last thing is, and this has become sort of a a mantra from Baldelli, from Falvey, from other front office, from players themselves, which is, you know, he said, which is something anyone will say after failing to make a single trade. You know, the, we believe in the guys in that clubhouse, and they have to step up. And the point you made on the Patreon is, yeah, sure, true. You know, uh, no right-handed bat they bring in is going to be more impactful than Byron Buxton and sure. Carlos Correa yep. hitting to their, you know, track records. Right. Uh, but your point, which I think is a good one, and listeners know I rarely tell Johnny makes a good point, <laughs> was uh, at what point does the front office have to look in that same mirror and, and step things up. say, we didn't do a damn thing. Right. Like yeah. We're just sitting here. And by the way, who assembled the group in that clubhouse that is underperforming right. uh, offensively? You know, you signed Correa. You signed Gallo. You signed Christian Vasquez. You kept Kepler, you know, and on and on and on and on. You signed Buxton to an extension. And so... Clearly, they're just banking on, you know, what they thought of this team heading into the season being more correct over the last two months than what we've seen from this team during the season. And, you know, you can argue about small sample size and projections and kind of true talent levels and how much should you let, you know, how much should you continue to believe in Carlos Correa being, let's say, an 850 OPS guy for the final two months because that's what he's been for his career when he's been a 675 OPS guy for the first four months or whatever. And has really, and you know, same thing with Buxton, same thing with Polanco, same, you know, and on and on. Gallo, you know, how much are you banking on what Joey Gallo did four years ago for the Texas Rangers? Or, or in April, you know, like yeah, for three weeks yeah, in April. Right, yeah. right, yeah. Um, and I just, I kind of fundamentally disagree with that, not because I think banking on people, you know, kind of performing to their track records 
is wrong. I do right. think that's a, a decent way to look at things. But I think four months is a significant part of that track record. And in fact, if you reran Carlos Correa's projections from this point forward, having uh, folded in the last four and a half months, it's going to be a significantly worse projection. Same thing with Buxton. Same thing with Vasquez. Same thing with well, all these guys. And you and you know. Your situation is now that you are a game up on another team. You are in a divisional right. race right here, and anything can happen now, now at that fact, point. The fact that you don't, you know, that most of the division is kind of crummy is fine. You're one of those teams. You still have to find some way to separate yourself. Right. It's if been crummy, by the way, and you're still only a game up. Right. Now there's two right. games up. Yeah, but. There's 60 games left, and you've got a one game lead. You right. might want to do something. My, I guess right. my point on that is, and I agree, <laughs> you want to reduce variance if you're the team. That should win. Right. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. if you have aces and you're playing poker, yeah. you want to go one-on-one -on -one with somebody. You don't want to go all in against the entire table. Because one-on-one, right. -on -one, aces are like an 80% against any other, sure. even kings. Right. But if eight people go all in, yes, aces will win more than their you know equal share of that pot. But you can lose to seven deuce if everyone just goes all in. And so, yes, you're w slightly winning this god-awful division. Right. But you haven't been able to separate yourselves in four months. Why do you assume you're going to be able to separate yourselves yeah. in two months? Right. And even if you are assuming, look, ultimately we're just a better team, we're just going to separate ourselves from Cleveland, which I do think is probably going to happen. Why not add a little bit on you know inexpensively just to reduce your variance to instead of thinking we're yeah. we're two games better than Cleveland for the next two months yeah. maybe add a piece or two and maybe maybe you're two and a half games better than Cleveland over right. the we weren't advocating trading away Sonny Gray for a no. big bat you know let's let's you know take a risk here and see what's going on we don't the Twins don't have to take right. risks but that was the whole point is the way to even reduce that risk even more is to just go out and get a couple of supplementary pieces for some low-level prospects. Yes. And they just didn't do and it. And I, I just, it's, it's, uh, I'm hoping maybe to talk to, I'll be at the ballpark today because they've been on the road, obviously, maybe get a little more insight from what their thinking was. Not that it'll, you know, talk me out of what my opinion is on it, but I do like to at least, you know, hear sometimes what is said publicly. Right, sure. And especially publicly in the moment is, you know, not necessarily representative of, the actual thinking that led them to that place. Sure. Sometimes it is. And it if might that's be that they reflected on it a little bit now right. too. And, and so I'm I'm kind of curious about that. So that's the, the trade deadline in action. Those are a lot of words about a lot of nothing. But like <laughs> we said, you know, sometimes the absence of a story sure. is in fact a bigger story. Yep. And I do think that's the case with the twins. And then I wrote this. Um, and like I say, you know, it's a juicy one when it says gleaming in the headline. Because <laughs> all that is is code for, please don't blame Dan Hayes for this. <laughs> Truly. Um, uh, and I wrote that the lack of trade deadline moves from the Twins leaves no room at this point for the front office to hide. Right. Yes. They. This is them yeah. signaling in the strongest possible terms that you can signal at a trade deadline. We believe we're the best team in this division. We believe we don't really even have to supplement or reinforce this roster to win this division. And we're sticking with, I would argue stubbornly, but we're sticking with the offseason approach that led to this mediocre, lopsided roster. And like you said, you know, they're 80% to win this division. Right. Odds are they're going to be right. It is going to be enough to win this division. But all I think is that 20% where they're wrong, 
I don't want to be in their shoes if they're yeah, wrong. No, that's, because that's you, exactly, you've left yourself yep. no excuse at yep. this point. Yep. You, you've essentially said, we don't have to try. We will just win this division, which is fine if you're right. Yeah, But you better be right. Because right. if you lose now this division. Now there's a clear narrative right. blaming the front office for yes. sitting on their and hands. I think gratefully. And if you right. lose this you know, division that is being handed to you on a silver platter. I mean, just right. truly, it is the one of the worst divisions I've ever seen. That your only competition has been below five hundred all year, and yeah. just traded away three key right. veteran players. Um, if you cannot do this, and you blow a lead to Cleveland in the division for a second straight year, and you miss the playoffs for a third straight year, yeah. what conclusion are fans or media members or uh, handsome podcasters supposed to take from that or or make from that, other than? Boy, they were wrong. They're just wrong on wrong on wrong. And yep. they're going to just go down with the Joey Gallo ship and the Max Kepler ship. And now Pagan is their, you know, yep. secondary setup man again and all this stuff. Maybe they'll be right. Maybe they'll win playoff games with this group. And you can say, yeah, they didn't need to do a single thing at the <laughs> deadline. They were right. But man, if they're not right. Yep. Uh, okay. Before we get to, uh, a lot of stuff. Joe Ryan, Dallas Keuchel, and some other right. uh, news and notes. We've got uh, football season also. Trade deadline season has passed, and football season is That's beginning. Right. Training camp has started. All the people at KFAN are also excited right now. You can just yeah. it's, it's, I it's like, like it. I like it mostly because the press box becomes much less crowded <laughs> because many of the uh, the people who stop by at Twins games are now at Vikings practice. <laughs> and since it's uh, fantasy football draft season, uh, we just got to remind you, our friends at RotoWire. We talk about RotoWire twice a year. We talk about before baseball season, and we talk about it for football That's season. Right. And I guess I signed up for it originally because of baseball. Like I just I like it as a research. Uh, thing right. for baseball, right? It's but also it, what I but it is invaluable for my 25 year uh, football league that I do with my high school friends. It has absolutely been invaluable, and uh, you can basically take full advantage of it free. Yeah, it's a free trial, and here's what I always say about RotoWire. It, here's how you know it's a, it's a actual free trial. Right? They don't even ask you your credit card information. That's right. Uh, you go to rotowire.com slash Gleeman. You get a free trial for Ge- Gleeman and the Geek listeners. And they're ba- you can, by the way, if you want to use that free trial and draft 400 fantasy teams with right. it yes. and use the cheat sheets and use the rankings and use all their player news information, which right. is invaluable, yep. go for it. Because their point is you will find our service and our website and our information yeah. so valuable to you that you'll want to stick around after Yeah, you'll find, you'll find it helps not only during the draft. It also helps you throughout the yes. season. Like, oh, here's the waiver wire pick. Pickups that you want to be like yeah. every Wednesday. Here's the way we're picking RotoWire. RotoWire.com slash Gleeman to get your free trial. Uh, and then also, so to talk about Soda Stick, yep. longtime sponsor of ours. They're also getting excited about football season. They just reordered and restocked their Kirko Chains uh, t shirts, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> which is, uh, I saw a video of uh, Kirk signing some kids' uh, Kirko Chains t shirt the other day, which was fun to watch because, uh, like I said, they're back at spring at, uh, training camp and things are fun. They've also got the Minnesota Patch Hat Collection coming this week. Um, I mean, you just go out to sodastick.com and you take a look and you find 10 new designs. Yes, it's right. soda, like Minnesota, sodastickco.com or just Google sodastick. Uh, and if you use the promo code Gleeman, 15% off whatever your order is. Promo code Gleeman, 15% yeah. off at sodastick. Small batch, clever stuff. Stuff you're going to like to wear at a Twins game during the spending race and stuff that you're going to like wearing to Vikings games or tailgates. Okay. So while taking uh, two or three from St. Louis... Um, they announced 
Well, so the game they lost. Yeah. Joe Ryan once again gave up a, a, a billion home runs. Oh, wow. Uh, I just can't believe how many home runs he has given up yeah. since that complete game. Well, so he, here's the numbers. Uh, I have them. It is startling. So he threw the shutout, um, which was their first shutout in three, four years, something like no, 2018? over five years. 2018? Yeah. yeah right. It's like yep. 2,000 days almost, something like that. Yep. Um, and then si- he threw, I don't know, 110 pitches or something like that. Yeah. And then That's since cool. then, he's made seven starts. <laughs> uh, he has an 863 ERA. By the way, at the time when he threw the shutout, he had like a two, right. 290 yes. ERA or right. maybe yes. low three ERA, something like that. I mean, people were talking about him legitimately as an all-star. Sure, right. Um, in the seven starts since then, he has an 863 ERA, and here's the, like you said, just the startling part, which is he's thrown 32 innings, yeah. and he's allowed 17 home runs. So that's yeah. more than a home run every other inning yeah. for seven that, that, starts. That's a home run in every, yeah, under two innings, right? Yeah. Before that, he had done, I think, eight home runs in 99 innings right. or something like that. Like So he was at one home run per 12 innings, and he's gone down to one home run. Per two. Yeah, I mean, I'm here to and tell you, you can't uh, live in the major leagues allowing a home run every other <laughs> inning. You just can't. Uh, within that, he got a lot of strikeouts. Yes. Uh, and the velocity was still okay, but, you know, clearly there was something wrong. And a couple of those real clunker starts were at Target Field. So I, I was in the room when he did his post-game interviews, and he was asked, like, is everything right physically? Like, do you feel like you're tipping pitches? Uh, you know, is, is, some, is there something you can point to here that why you're giving up four home runs every game? Uh, and he really downplayed it to the extent that I was like, well, is he just saying he's bad now? Like what, you know? <laughs> right, yeah, right. It's, uh, and it turns out uh, he had been hiding an injury for literally that entire seven-start stretch. He tweaked his hamstring while warming up before the Atlanta start, which is when he gave up five home runs in the first two innings. Mm-hmm. Um, pitched through, didn't tell anyone that he, hey, I just hurt my hamstring warming up, <laughs> which, okay, that happens. You give up five, five home runs. Now, to me, right. if I just injured myself before a game and I gave up five home runs, there should be, you know, uh, bells going off sure. that are saying yeah. that probably related. You know what I mean? He didn't tell anyone anything and then went on to have the worst. I, I looked up this stat. I was like, well, what are the, what's the most home runs a Twins hitch, pitcher has ever allowed over seven, seven starts? starts? The record had been held, fittingly, I would say. By Burt Blylevin twice in both 86 and 87, he did it. Okay. Two different seven-start stretches. Okay. And Carlos Silva. Uh, they both gave up that many home 15. runs? 15. 15. Okay. Gotcha. So okay. Joe Ryan sh- went and shattered that. <laughs> he gave up 17. Nicely done. Um, and so took him until this last start, which was another ugly one. And I'm sure at some point particularly because the timing of it matched up with Dallas Keuchel opting out of his right. triple-A deal, which meant the Twins had 48 hours. It made me sad because we've been laying out the terms of this Dallas Keuchel thing for several weeks right. and saying you know, he can opt out and then the Twins have 48 hours to decide and all this. And yet I got so many replies from people on Twitter and in comment sections going, they just lost Dallas Keuchel. What are they going to do? And I was like, <laughs> they, they got the 48 hours. Yeah, like That's that's, it. that's yeah. the whole point of it. Yeah. Um, and so he – Finally told them, hey, I've been pitching through a hamstring injury that hasn't gotten better. Right. Um, and it's – we talk about this all the time, going back to, I remember, well, he, the he, Nick Punto he, days. He, he might very well have also said, you know, I've got the all-star break coming up. That was only two, three starts away. Get an extra rest. Sure, but that's yeah, been right. weeks since yeah. then. Yeah. I, I just 
when you're struggling to that extent and you you I mean you know you're hiding an injury from right. them. Yes. It doesn't click to say, man, these two are related and I go back to there was a year when we were, you know, young bloggers where where Nick Punto had taken over an everyday role and he hit like 130 in the second half. Right. You know, or down the stretch. Like just even for by his low offensive standards, like right. just awful. But of course, Gardner Harry continued to play him every day and all this stuff. And then the moment the season ended, um, he like went for hamstring surgery or something <laughs> yeah, like so that, they, or groin right. surgery or whatever it was. And everyone was like, oh, yeah, he's been playing hurt for, for three months now. We all knew that. And it was like, what good did that do anybody? Right. And one thing we talk about quite a bit is when you see a good player, not just struggle, you know, uh, not just a 300 hitter sure. hit 220 for a month or not two. one of the natural dips that right. can happen. There are ebbs and flows of the season and there's randomness and guys have bad years and all that stuff. But when a guy goes from, you know, Joe Ryan for two years has been a, you know, low three ERA guy, like you said, had actually made quite a bit of improvement in terms of allowing home runs, was looking like an all-star. And then he just goes through one of the worst stretches of any pitcher in the history of the team. Most of the time that whether someone wants to admit it in the moment or it leaks out afterward or sometimes no one ever knows, that's due to an injury, Mm -hmm. whether hitter, pitcher, whatever. And it's like that that's happened so it, Trevor Larnick it happened uh, tw- yeah. two past yep. two years yep. where it's like Kirloff what happened to well yeah but that was they knew right. it was hurt yeah, but they, i'm yep. saying like hidden injury oh i see i got you. or at least one that's not being made public and in this case right. wasn't even made to the manager and the team which to me i would be furious about like i mean that's on the the training staff and Baldelli for not uh i don't know creating that. an environment where players feel like they need to come forward with that type of thing i mean that's a that culture Extends right. long before Baldelli, and uh, so that's a difficult culture yes, change to make. But that's part of in this organization. Part of the point, uh, yeah, right, right. Like yeah. you're supposed to establish that because yeah. otherwise, what are you supposed to guess when guys are hurt? Um, you know, new trainer and all that, and they're just going, oh, "We didn't know anything about it." Right. Well, okay, that's on Joe Ryan. Do not get sure. me wrong, yes, right? But you know, uh, but I mean, I, I would be, I would be furious with that because it's not you're not it's not tennis. It's not a one-on-one sport. You know, you want to try to play through a hamstring injury and right. suck yeah. for a year on, as a tennis player or a golf player, whatever it is, go for it. You're only hurting yourself. And in this case, he hurt himself because now right. his, his season totals are garbage. Right. Um, but with, within that, you hurt a team. Like, right. And it's strange to me that it took this long for someone to say, "Is what is wrong? Like, what <laughs> what is happening? Because this is so far beyond... Uh, like I said, just a, a a bad patch for a good player. I mean, this is a fundamentally different performance than ever before from this player right. to the extent that he's like unplayably bad, obviously. And I I just – I don't – they're in, they're fortunate in the sense that – so I looked it up. They went three, three and four, four over those in those games, starts. Yeah. So, you know, at most maybe he cost them a win. Yeah, right. I guess two. You could argue Maybe, you'd have to go right. back and look yeah. how they hit in those starts. But the problem with even doing that is like, well, how would how they? A couple of those games, like the Atlanta game, they were down six nothing in the first inning. Right. Like that's just an automatic loss that he's handed to you. You don't know yes. how that game yeah. plays out right. uh, if someone else takes the start. So I don't know. It's it's to me it's everyone like in the abstract, and this is part of sports culture for since the birth of sports. Loves to act like being a tough guy and playing through pain 
is this admirable trait. And it is to some extent. Like on a on a sure. ten thousand foot view, just you want an athlete to to want to push through things and to want to help the team. And but I think the the wires get crossed there in that it needs to be made clear that this is not helping the team. You think you're helping the team. Joe Ryan undoubtedly thought, at least at the beginning of this thing, seven starts ago, when he took the mound in Atlanta and just thought, eh, I hurt my hamstring a little bit. They need me to start. I can't scratch from the start. I got to go. We're going to go do a bullpen game right now? Right. right. You you no doubt think you're helping the team, and there is some truth to that, but it needs to be made clear on an individual level or a team level that we don't think this type of behavior – is helping the team. Right. Now, there's a fine line. You don't want guys just coming in and say, I got a hangnail today. I think it'd be better if I didn't play. Right. You, there needs to be some of that. But I think in baseball especially, you play 162 times. Like, you can miss a few, even if you're a starting yeah. pitcher. It's not the NFL where every week is a is a mini Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, right. And so the fact that that's not made clear – and, you know, look, Joe Ryan is a strong personality. I'm not saying that it's Rocco Baldelli's fault or the trainer's fault that they couldn't get this me- message through to him. I think that's probably a pretty tough nut to crack. <laughs> uh, Joe Ryan's got his own opinions and, he's, you know, he's right. got his own way of being and he's a, he's a very interesting guy in that regard. But I guess if you would have told me uh, someone on this team – thought they could cure their own injury without telling anybody <laughs> he might be at the top of my list yeah, yeah, sure. for the guests. Yep, and sure. I would have been right on that. Um, and so, you know, hopefully this is just a two or three week yep. thing. He's out a minimum of 15 days, which is basically two or three starts. The question will be, A, did that heal enough? And by the way, if it didn't, in if, if 15 days from now, he's still unable because of the hamstring injury, then he this is even worse than I'm making right. it out yes, to be because right. that means he had a real hamstring right. injury. Right. Or it means he had a minor hamstring injury that made, made worse, worse. Yeah. by pitching right. through it. Yeah. Because that's the other thing. It's like there are some injuries that you can play through. And there's been cases where a player will say, yeah, this is screwed up, but the doctor told me it won't get worse. Right. Like it's, yes. it is what it is. We got to get it fixed in the off season. So do you either want to play through it now or not? But a hamstring injury is the opposite of that. A hamstring injury is one of those that it can start as nothing, and if you don't address it or take time off, it can become massive. Right. Like it can become way, way worse. So that you know that's part of the factor too. And then Baldelli said uh, afterward. Oh, and I also saw people were like, "Well, is this just an excuse?" They're going to, you know, he's been struggling, <laughs> which, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, right. obviously. Yes. We're going to shut him down for 15 days, and that gives us kind of a loophole here to bring in Dallas Keuchel. Right. Two things I would say that make that, at least to me, clear that that's not the case here. One is, I don't think they felt like uh, moving mountains to get Dallas Keuchel to the majors was no, worthwhile. I don't th- and I think that's probably I think the rest wise. of the league felt that <laughs> way, too. Yeah, I mean, right, we're going right. to find out. He's going to start one of the games this weekend, it sounds I like. He's not listed as one of the probable pitchers no, this okay. weekend, so it looks like he'll be in Detroit. Okay. But, I mean, he's going to start on this yes. upcoming. Yep. But, and we're going to find out how does 88-mile-an-hour sinkers play in the majors. <laughs> yeah. yep. You know, uh, <laughs> how does a pretty yep. ERA but bad peripheral numbers at AAA, you know, translate to the majors? We're going to find out. Yep. But I don't think the Twins were sitting there going, how can we get Dallas Keuchel on this team? Yeah. Um, and then beyond that, the comments from Baldelli about Joe Ryan hiding the injury – made it very clear that this is real, <laughs> that this was not just some scheme they they 
came Paul to. Paul was not amused. He was not amused. And uh, <laughs> and even Joe Ryan's comments afterward made it clear that this was a real thing. Because yeah, Joe right. Ryan would have just brushed it off otherwise. Right. Would have oh, wink, yeah. wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, yeah, they told me they're shutting me down for 15 days or whatever. Yeah. Which right. we've seen before. They did that with Michael Pineda. Sure. I remember uh, when Michael Pineda was interviewed about it, he was like, yeah, I guess uh, – this will get way better in 10 days or something. So that's what we're going to do. It's like, okay. Yeah. Um, but Baldelli said, you know, he he certainly didn't throw Joe Ryan under the bus, but he basically said this is not something that can go on. The communication here has to be better. And he wasn't just singling out Joe Ryan. He was, I think, saying himself, Nick sure. Paparesta, the, the team sure. trainer and stuff, because the reason you have a manager and the reason you have a training staff and the reason you have, you know, this and that and that is so that the, the players just play. That they're not the ones responsible for making these big picture decisions, but you need to at least extract uh, quality information from them and how they're feeling because Joe Ryan is the expert on his own hamstring. And if you can't get him to willingly – Yeah, if he's actively hiding something, it's it's a lot trickier to figure it out. Exactly. And so, you know, just to be clear, Joe Ryan deserves the blame for that. But I also just think – I hope it's a kind of a wake-up call maybe to to Baldelli and the training staff – or maybe to the players and the culture on the team. Sure. Like, hey, this, uh, we went right. too far here. You're There's not. No right. You're not helping anything, and that has just happened so many times to so many players under so many different managers and front offices and stuff like that. Where it's like you get to the end of this thing where this guy has been horrible for X amount of time, and then you go, "Oh yeah, he's been playing hurt," and you just want to go. I just want to scream. I just want to go. Who did that help? Right. What was the goal here? What was the <laughs> and. and I guess now we can we can switch gears here a little and talk about Dallas Keuchel. But first, let's uh, cover our last two sponsors. Uh, first sponsor is BetterHelp. Um, you know, maybe you're hiding something. You know, maybe you're hiding. Jeez. That's <laughs> <You> some <laughs> sense. <laughs> That's not a bad segue. Uh, maybe you're hiding something, or maybe you're at the point where you feel it's time to address something. Whether it's uh, you know, see a therapist about. Whatever. Maybe it's uh, something you're personally wrestling with. Maybe it's something that you're wrestling with with your spouse, um, and you, it's time to talk to somebody. And then you go. Okay, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to invest myself and figure this out. And then you run into a brick wall because you're like, hold it. Who am I talking to? What's right. who, the, the barriers for entry for finding a therapist, at least initially, right. can be extreme and can push you right. off the track of wanting to get the help, yeah. which is where better help comes in. Super easy. Within 48 or 72 hours, they can get you with a licensed therapist and they can tailor it. To however you want to do it. You want to just do a video call with somebody? They can do that. You don't even want to be on camera? You can do a phone call. If you're a weirdo like me and you hate talking on the phone, you can just t- do a text live chat with them. They can figure out whatever it is and tailor it to you. They can get it done in a timely manner and they can you know, actually tr- start to help you with whatever you think you need help on. And uh, our listeners can get uh, 10% off their first month and let therapy be your map with better help. Here's how you do it. You go to betterhelp.com slash Gleeman today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Gleeman. Finally, game time. Yeah, game time is a little bit different than some of the other ways you may have bought tickets. It's an app. So you go and download the game time app and then you set up an account and you use the promo code Gleeman. You're going to get 20 bucks off. We'll talk a little bit more about that at the end here. But I'm planning on using game time because I'm going to be... Uh, trucking. I mean, I, first of all, I've used it here at Target Field. I use it all the time at Target Field. I'll, on my way to the game uh, at a uh, at Bricksworth yes. and the patio. Their, their specialty is yes. 
A, hard to find tickets like for concerts and right. stuff like that, but last minute tickets That's too. Right. And so, yeah, John puts it to the test. As he's strolling the target field. Exactly right. Yeah. He, he puts it up. It on could his phone. not be easier. It's easier than it's easier than walking into the front front box office and standing in line That's to get a ticket. That's definitely true. Yeah. As someone who's attempted right. to do that. Yeah. And now, uh, yeah, I'm going to be going to Detroit to watch the Twins. I'm going to be going to Philly to watch the Twins. Uh, you know. I don't want to screw around with tickets, trying to get tickets yeah. to those places. I'm just going to use the game use time Use the app. game time app. And yeah, so and plus, I'm going to get 20 bucks off. So if you snag the tickets without the stress with game time, download the game time app, create an account, and then just use the code Gleeman for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. But again, create an account on the game time app, redeem the code Gleeman for $20 off, download game time today, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay. So uh, Joe Ryan... Creates an opening for Dallas Keuchel. I'm not entirely sure what I think would have happened if Joe Ryan weren't going on the IL. I don't get the sense that they were considering a six man. I, I really don't. I just, you know, maybe they were just considering demoting Joe Ryan or a phantom injury or whatever to make this happen. I mean, this has been a long sure. time coming just in terms of Joe Ryan's right. performance being bad. Um, <laughs> but I think. It's very easy for fans to look at a 113 ERA right. from Dallas Keuchel with the Saints, and he, he just won International League Pitcher of the Month, <laughs> um, and say, well, he's back, baby. 113 ERA, right. that's like Bob Gibson, man. Like Even if that triples in the majors, he's in great shape. Right. But within that, um, I think I wrote down the numbers here, but the, the numbers are, uh, you know, uh, ERA is the last thing I would look at <laughs> right. trying to evaluate That's a 35-year-old right. pitcher at AAA, uh, especially in a small sample. But he made six AAA starts. He threw 32 innings. Yep, 32 innings. 28 strikeouts in 32 innings, which is not great, but it's not, not horrible. 12 walks within that. That's not bad either. I mean, a 28 to 12 strikeout to walk ratio in 32 innings is significantly worse than an average pitcher at AAA at this point. But uh, – yeah, remember, pitchers are averaging a strike. Sure, it's and, gotten so a it's former Cy Young winner yeah, at Triple A should be doing that. But uh, I'm not saying he pitched poorly by any means. Obviously, he pitched well. But the idea of look at the guy's ERA—that's well, yeah, not representative of a, a 1.13 ERA. Yeah, what sure. you're looking at, I'm sure right. it's closer to I don't know high threes, or low fours, or something like that. Sure. If you were to just kind of normalize it, but you know, to give him a look, I have no problem with that, particularly given the Joe Ryan situation. I think there's certainly an argument to have been made to just call up Louis Varland, sure. who has a much brighter future, has much better raw stuff, and while he faltered at the end of his run with the Twins uh, you know, a month or two yeah. ago, looked pretty good, not only late last year, but early on this year filling in. Had I would similar home run problems to Joe Ryan. Not nearly as true. bad, but yeah, but it was uh, home runs that were doing him in. But he's certainly proven, I would argue, to be a competent major league pitcher. He's 25. He's got a bright future. I think he's going to be in the rotation next year full time, most likely. So and too. so I just wonder, like, is it is it even worth messing with Dallas Keuchel when you have Louis Varland? Now, I'm sure they will tell you because they're obsessed with depth. Well, by using Dallas Keuchel here, we also still have Louis Varlin. If we had ditched Dallas Keuchel right, yes. and called up Louis Varlin, and then sure. Louis Varlin got knocked around or got hurt, well, then who's next on the line? So now they maintain and that might still happen. Just sure. so we're clear, right? yeah. Um, I, I just wonder, like, how long of a how long of a leash does does Dallas Keuchel get? And maybe it's a moot point because he goes out there and he throws, you know, six innings of one run ball, and he gets a million ground balls, and the strikeouts yeah. don't matter, and. You know, he's back to being a, at least a competent, you know, veteran starter, which would be huge for them, right. uh, given that he'll at minimum 
somebody's going to make two or three starts at minimum right. in place of Joe Ryan, and it's going to be in August of a pennant race. So that's huge. But you know, I, I, I'm 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 skeptical, and I know I expressed uh, similar thoughts with Maeda, but I was much less, much more skeptical even of Keiko than Maeda because Maeda. We were talking about his velocity, and it was being only 91. Now we're talking about a guy's velocity being only 87, 88. And I know people are like, well, Dallas Keuchel never threw hard. Right. We sure threw a hell of a lot harder than 87, 88. You know, he was 91. Right. There's a there's a very fine line there. And I think each kind of mile per hour you dip below 92, 93 miles an hour, the degree of difficulty ramps up significantly. And so – you know, he's always been a pitcher who walked the fine line, even when he was winning a Cy Young Award with the Astros and making all-star teams. Yep. And he had a great yep. season in 2020 with uh, the White Sox, even, the abbreviated season. He was a guy who no one could quite figure out. Like, it, it wasn't obvious why this guy is <laughs> right. so good. Yeah, that's right. Now, yep. you, you break it down, and it's like, well, you know, he never gives up homers because everything's on the ground. He... Gets tons of double plays because it's just all ground balls. No one ever steals bases on him because he's got a great pickoff move. Right. There's these yeah. little things that you can That's do, right. but it's like during his Cy Young season, I watched him a lot. There, I mean, he was for playoff games and stuff. And right. and you watch him, and you go, this dude's just throwing 91 mile an hour sinkers on the edges of the plate, and that's nobody can figure anything out. Well, yeah, that's a recipe that works. Right. I just wonder, does it work five years later? Uh, throwing 87 miles an hour, and we'll see. I mean, I, I don't think it's impossible that he could. You know, Dylan Bundy-esque, give him five and fly a couple of times to rotation, which would be really valuable. And that's why you like veterans because there is that possibility. But uh, But I think Varlin could do that, though, too. Right. I mean, just sure. Um, And so you're going to see Dallas Keuchel, which is interesting. I mean, it's a big name. Uh, The Twins have certainly faced him plenty over the years. Uh, they finally have that lefty in their rotation That's that we've right. gotten a trillion mailbag uh, <laughs> questions about. It will think? be interesting to see how lefty fares at uh, Target Field with the ball flying out to right to left field. Well, I'll tell you this. Right he's given up homers. He's screwed. Yeah, that's a problem. I yeah. mean, that's been – I mean, maybe that's one of the reasons why they're starting him in Detroit as opposed wow. to but I, I just mean field. the only thing Dallas Keiko can kind of be counted on to do – Late in his career, was not give up a bunch right. of homers. Right. Yeah. You know, he can't. He can no longer be counted on missing bats. He can no longer be counted on going deep in starts. But if he starts giving up homers, well, that degree of difficulty is uh, it's off the charts at that point. Um, so you're going to see him. I don't know. I'm I'm curious, like I said, to see. You know, does he basically go on a start by start basis? If he has a decent first start, he gets a good second start, or are we just kind of saying you're here till Ryan comes back? I think he's. It sounds like that. I mean, it sounds like. Yeah. He, I mean, that would be the way. I would think they would give him more than one sure. time through the order. Well, it depends. We'll see. Uh, well, what, yeah, what we will have. We will have to see what that one time looks yeah. like. If right. he throws a no hitter, yeah, if he doesn't make <laughs> it out of the first inning. Nah, probably not. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, where the the rotation is. I mean, it's it's funny how things can change pretty quickly. It's like two can, months can ago, say, it was literally five days ago. We had to address the question of whether or not well, they might sure. trade away Sonny Gray or but I just Maeda. Mean, right. I just mean, uh, you know, two months ago it was Sonny Gray's been phenomenal, right? And Joe Ryan's a borderline all star, and then Pablo Lopez was an actual all star. But we have big questions about Kent and Maeda, uh, and now it's. Well, Kent Maeda is one of their best starters right now. Right. Yes. Joe Ryan has a is a mess completely and is out of the picture now. Sonny Gray has gotten back on track the last couple of times. I think yeah. by essentially just saying, and he said this after his last start, and we saw it yesterday too. I'm just going to throw strikes. I'm sick of this stuff. Like <laughs> if they're going to knock me around, they're going to knock me around. 
I'm going to trust my stuff. And I think he was getting, we talked about this, he's a little bit of a control freak, I would say. Yep. And he was getting so... Maybe trying to be a little too fine. So, so insistent on pitching himself out of these jams perfectly. Like, right. oh, bases loaded, I got to get two strikeouts here. And then he would just walk a guy with the bases loaded and it would get even worse. And two starts ago afterward, he said, because he, he hates walking people, which is interesting because he does walk a yeah, fair right. number of people. Yeah, right. um, and he just said, I'm sick of doing this. I got to figure it out. And the last couple of starts, he's just attacked the zone. He's been much more efficient. He, what did he throw, 75, 80 pitches yesterday to all? get through seven oh, innings? Wow. Okay. Maybe I'm off by a little bit, but he was cruising there. Um, Still likes to give up the occasional late inning home run. Yeah, sixth <laughs> inning home run, of course. Wouldn't be a sunny gray start without that. Uh, but he's at least back on track. But yeah, I mean the the state of this rotation is significantly less uh, solid right. than it was two months ago. You know, you're kind of now relying on Kent Maeda and Dallas Keiko, two 35, 36-year-olds. Well, we went out of the way to uh, praise Bailey Ober. I think it was the yeah, last I'm blaming Friday, you on that. last Friday. Because you didn't so. knock on wood like you usually do, John. <laughs> I absolutely knocked on wood. <laughs> no, this isn't wood. That's what we found out. This is a uh, fake wood. Okay. Right. Whenever you knock on it, it doesn't help because that's the only explanation. You're right. That. That's right. Yeah. Otherwise, it'd be perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, here's the thing. Just think how much worse Bailey Ober's start would have been had I not knocked on wood. Yeah. <laughs> the game would still be going. Exactly. They'd have never gotten 27 outs. That's right. Or 24 outs, yeah, whatever right. they needed yeah. in that game. Um, and then we mentioned this earlier, but uh, Alex Kirloff goes on the IL with a shoulder injury that he initially hurt a little while ago when he dove for a ball at first, I think. Okay. Kind of tweaked it or jammed it. Then he played through it for a while. It got better, but then it got worse and then hasn't gotten better from there. So he shut down. I think they said uh, he's getting a cortisone injection, which is never great, but that's you know part of the process to get the inflammation down and all that stuff. Uh, and also just lessen the, the immediate pain or discomfort. It sucks for him, first of all. Uh, he's on fire. Because for a guy who has had to battle back from back-to-back – season-ending wrist problems that weren't just season-ending but potentially career-threatening, the second of which they shortened a bone in his wrist. Like it was – these are not normal (laughs) baseball surgeries. He began the season on the injured list. There were all kinds of questions about it. Even when they first called him up, we were like, well, he's grounding out a lot and he's not really driving the ball that much. Then he goes through a stretch where he hits four homers in six games. And you're thinking, man – this is why we were so in love with this dude's bat for the last five years. And he can, might be their number three hitter for the next decade and on and on. Yep. And then he goes through, I think he was like 0 for 10 with seven strikeouts. And you go, what happened here? And it turns out he's playing through a shoulder yeah, injury. Right, yeah. Again, yeah, yeah. when you see these sort of completely out of line bad performances where it's you know several uh, degrees of magnitude past – yeah. Uh, just a bad slump or whatever. When a guy goes like with Buxton, we've seen it. When yeah, Buxton sure. goes zero for thirty with twenty two strikeouts, after something is wrong with landing him. on his face. Right, so something is wrong with him yeah, physically, right, typically. Right, yeah, and right. so that's the case with Kirloff. Obviously, the hope is that he can come back certainly in September, let's say. Right. Uh, but that's no sure thing. And um, we talked about how you know Julian and Kirloff and now Walner um, have really boosted their lineup against right-handed pitchers to the point that it's been pretty damn productive. Yeah. I mean, they're above average They've been very productive since the in OPS, yep. and that's why the focus on adding right-handed bats to combat what is a league-worst lineup against right. lefties all season 
became the priority. But if you take Kirilov now out of the mix uh, of left-handed yep. bats, then that's looking a lot yep. less. And I mean, you, you need Joe Yellow at first base, or you need yep. Jorge Polanco to really start hitting from the left side, or you know Kepler to keep playing pretty well, which yep. he has. But uh, I don't know. Donovan Solano to <laughs> carry right. the D right yeah. as a righty, and yep. yeah, I, I mean, it's it just it also he had literally just won American League Player of the Week. Not that that's like you know equivalent to winning MVP or sure. something, but like what a it is for a week. Well, right, <laughs> right. But I mean, right. just what a what a crap hand he continues to be dealt uh, over and over with multiple wrist surgeries, and he's fought back and he's changed stylistically to become a more patient hitter, and he's finally starting to tap into a little bit more power, going to the opposite field, right. driving the ball. We talked to him, you know, a week and a half ago after he won the Player of the Week, and he's like, "I'm feeling pretty good. I, I love that I can just start to make mechanical swing adjustments and not have to worry, worry about, about injury right. within that." And then shoulder injury, yeah, right. which uh, I don't know, it's terrible. It does mean, however, it, like we said, it it may have saved Joey Gallo, uh, or at least may bought have. Joey Gallo a little bit more time. Because what the Twins ended up doing, I think Friday was we were talking about what move are they going to make? Yeah. To try and bring Polanco back to this lineup, we weren't sure what that move was going to make, and they did one that we talked about, but we weren't sure they would ever do, which was they sent down a triple A or a pitcher to triple A. Yeah. They went with Cole a twelve man pitching staff for the first time this year. Right. Yeah, right. And then two days later, they activated Theobar right. and placed Kirloff on the IL. That's right. That would have been the decision that mm-hmm. would have been interesting if, if that right. was not bound for the That's IL. Right. If Theobar was coming back up, then who would have who would have gone? And they go back to a 13-man pitching right. staff. What happens? It would then? seemingly have to be Gallo. Instead, this saves that. It also just means there's zero reason whatsoever to send down Matt Walner, which yes. is a nice part of this, silver lining in this. Yeah. I mean, it, it actually indicates they weren't going to send down Matt right. Walner. They like weren't. They, they were, we, I don't know exactly what move was going to be made. We were worried that that might be the move that came on Friday. and Because uh, they've made that move they, before. Right. Several times. Right, yeah. Um, I mean Matt Walner can Matt Walner can bang. Like right. I, I just is he gonna strike out too much? Yeah, probably. Is he gonna hit in the low two hundreds instead of you know two eighty? Yeah. Is there gonna be some uh, I call them misadventures in, in fly ball uh, pursuits? Yes. But the arm's gonna make up for some right. balls he doesn't yeah. catch. The arm is I mean, just off the charts, you know, hundred mile an hour arm. I have never really recognized I mean I I know you wanna have a good a strong arm in right field. I mean, I, I like seeing that. Walner's the first person that made me think, even if your range isn't very good, if you've got just a tremendous arm in right field, you're good, pretty good to go. Well, right, because there's right. just so many, like, yes, if you're not catching certain balls, that's runs right. you're giving yeah. away. Yeah, But, but I, there are so many plays that involve a right fielder where even it's not something you did wrong. Someone just singles to right field, right. and you come in and you scoop it up, and are they going for a double? Yeah, not or, with, or, Nat, or, with or Matt Walner there, guy that was on first going right. to third, exactly, right. or second to home. Right. There are just so many kind of inflection points that involve a right fielder, regardless of their own yeah. performance. And you know, we've seen it over the years with guys like Kadire, which is it always starts the same, which is they test them. 
Right. And that's right. You throw out. We've seen this from Wolner when he yes. was up earlier yeah. this season. He threw out two guys the in the same Blue series. Jays, yeah. yeah. And it was like, I bet you they don't test him a third time. And, and they, they did, did not. not. <laughs> no, they there did was not. one play ball yeah. kind of into the corner and they held up at, <laughs> at first. first base. And it was like, there's, I a, know. there's an updating of the yeah. scouting report in real time. <laughs> that's exactly and we, right. That's what we saw with, with Kadire. And also we saw it with Eddie Rosario in yes. left field. Yes, you're right. Which is, it starts with testing the guy's right. arm. That's right. Either because you just don't know it's a good arm. Or because teams just are like, I don't care if it's a good arm. Let's see how good it is. And then, you know, you look at Kadir's stats in right field. They're very funny. It's like first couple of years, threw out 17 guys, <laughs> yeah, threw right. out 14 guys. And then the third year, uh, three assists. Right. It's yeah. like, boy, what did his arm fall off? The opposite. Teams realized, what are we doing running on this guy? Right. Uh, same thing with, with Eddie Rosario, although Eddie Rosario would like kind of bait people into running <laughs> yes, that's true by too. the end, yeah, I feel like. True. He'd be like, yeah. let me just not hustle after this, but oh, I got it. I'm going to throw you out of the <laughs> And so I think we're going to see that from Walner. But just in general, I do think his uh, he's going to strike out a lot. And so the ability to get your strikeout rate to 30%, not 40%, right. which is like the Joey Gallo range. Right. Is key because at 30%, you know, league average is like 24% or something like that. At 30%, you're a 240 hitter, you know, generally. At 40%, you're a 199 hitter like Joey Gallo, although he aspires to be a 199 hitter at this point. (laughs) And and as a 240 hitter, I love Walner's plate approach, and we talk about this a lot. There's a tendency or it's natural to see a guy who strikes out a lot and to assume they just swing at everything. But often – the guys with the highest strikeout rates, especially major leaguers with the highest strikeout rates, the uh, Sano's or Adam Dunn's or guys like right. that, they actually are very patient. And in fact, that that leads to higher strikeout rates because they're not swinging early in counts looking to put the ball in play. Uh, I think, you know, Eddie Rosario is an example of a guy who swings at everything. He actually didn't strike out that much because he often wasn't two right. strikes. Right. You That's can't right. strike out when there isn't two strikes. That's a break, <laughs> breaking news from your friend Aaron. <laughs> right. And so you look at Walner. And he's pretty discerning at the plate. Like, he doesn't swing a lot. When he does swing, he misses a lot. And so when he gets 2-2, 3-2, deep in counts, he really only has one swing to make it happen. Right. And if you're going to swing and miss a lot, you're going to lead to strikeouts. But I like his overall approach. And I do think from the, I don't know, 40-something games he's played so far, he's got like a 135 OPS plus. He's been great last right. year and this year when given a chance. I do think he's got a little bit more ability to. He does seem like an all-or-nothing guy, right? To yeah. to get a key single yeah. and even go the other way a little bit, yep. fall off some pitches, be a tougher out than just you know what we see from Gallo, which is home run. I, I kind of hate to say this, but he reminds me of Sano in 2015. Right, Sano came up like Sano was. Yeah, he hit home runs. He hit monstrous home runs. Yes, but he also seemed to be able to put the ball in play all, all over the field a fair amount. Yes, and just the quality right. of Sano's at bats, yes. which right. is going to forever be lost in what ended up happening to him. And people will just look at the strikeout rates and assume he just swung at every slider right. Right. ever. Right. Right. But the first couple of years of Miguel Sano, I never saw a guy take better at bats. Now they often ended in strikeouts, right. which you know people discount that. But we used to talk all the time about how his whole goal was to drag the pitcher out to the deep water right, yeah. and then just drown him right. and eat, wait for a mistake or take a walk. And sometimes you strike out. And so that's the type of hitter I think Wolner trends more towards than, you know, hopefully. I mean, Gallo was that type of hitter early in his career, too. We just unfortunately, the, this version of yeah, Gallo right. is just not as capable of doing right. that. So I, I really think, I mean, clearly Wolner has passed Larnick. On the pecking oh, order. Oh, for sure. 
which he hadn't early in the season, but yeah. Right. And I think to your point, uh, he's past Gallo, Gallo right. which yeah, I, I, I mean, I would argue that Larnick should have passed Gallo at this point. <laughs> um, and so I think that's good to see. I guess my question with Walner is if there, if Kirillov comes back, which obviously would be great, let's say two weeks from now, three weeks from now, are they willing to even pass the trade deadline? part ways with Gallo to keep Walner because you can't yeah. do both. Yeah. Even from just strictly from a roster standpoint, unless you go to twelve pitchers, we've you can't also, keep them. But also who are you where are you playing all these left handed corner guys? We've also got uh, Royce Lewis potentially right. coming back at some point here too. Yeah. Like that now, uh, on yeah. September 1st, they can add two players. Well, that's true. It's not like the old days. The good the good old days, you could go up to 40 <laughs> in right. September, that's true. and it would be crazy. You'd have guys just sitting on the bench doing nothing because the AAA season was but over. But they're not going to want to add both of those players be hitters, for sure. No, they'll for sure <laughs> have a pitcher. Be for, I'm sure it'll be 14-14 instead of 13-13, the roster split or whatever. But that would at least... Can they do 15? I don't think so. You can't do 15 pitchers? I don't think you can go past an even split anymore okay, at okay. any point, but I might be wrong. Yeah. I know you can't uh, go past uh, yeah. 13 okay. in the regular right. During the regular season. season. You can't, right. Uh, not 100%. I mean, I would argue, certainly, you don't need 15 <laughs> GD pitchers. Like, you don't need 14. I don't know. I, I'm like my we'll grandpa see. now with that. But <laughs> I don't think you need 13 if you manage it well, uh, but clearly they disagree. So that's the good news in all this. Uh, Matt Walner is beyond deserving of an opportunity. Uh, we, and certainly I, have become almost a parody of myself, uh, <laughs> you know, banging the table for yeah, him, yeah. going back to the end of last season, all off season. You know, when they signed Gallo, part of it was, what are they, they got Walner, they got Larnick, they got Kier, what do they need this guy for? It turns out, unfortunately, that's right. And so I'm glad, you know, it took, it took long enough. Yeah. Uh, and who knows how, uh, you know, how firm this opportunity is once the roster, if it gets fully healthy. But, I mean, hopefully fans can see why. This ain't a perfect player, but the things he does well can be extraordinarily valuable. And he's 25. He's minimum salaried for three more years. Yeah. You know, he's a, from Forest Lake. He's a he's a guy that you can build things around. And, and right now you ain't building like, nothing around right now Joey Gallo. Like the second best hitter on this on the, in well, the lineup right now. And that's right the now. other thing that I think – has become apparent this year, and this is something we or we used to write about back in the day. Yes, which is there's always this perception that, well, yeah, you want to develop young players, but you can never fully trust them right away because what if they flop? Right. In reality, this happened a lot. You know, they'd call up Morno, they'd call up Jason Bartlett, they'd call up right. somebody Mauer, whatever, and it's like, no, this guy's immediately one of their best players, right. and we're seeing that this year. Who are their best hitters at this yeah. point? Now, Kirilov's hurt, but Julian, Kirilov, Walner, Royce Lewis hit 325 right, right, right away. Right. Like their best hitters are their least experienced hitters. And maybe that won't be the case over 100 games. Sure. It's only been a case over 40 games or whatever. But the idea that we can't fully trust these young guys because what if they come up and flop? You know who comes up and flops? Joey Gallo, Christian <laughs> Vasquez, <laughs> right, yeah, Carlos right. Correa for that right, matter. Like yeah. there's no. I think the the link between experience and floor for players yeah. or or flop yeah. uh, projectability yeah. is so out the window now because I think younger players, first of all, the level of competition at AAA has blurred so much to the level of competition to the majors because half the pitchers on a AAA staff right. Right. are going back and forth anyway. I mean, they're not <laughs> elite major league pitchers, right. but yeah. you go look at the Saints staff. It's Oliver Ortega. Right. Well, he pitches for the Twins too, or it's Josh Winder, or it's yeah. you know Cole Sands or whatever. So anyway, I'm uh, I'm glad to see. It's unfortunate that it's coming 
in Kirloff's absence, but you know, you can start to dream on a Twins lineup, yeah. whether it's end of this year, next year, that's got Julian and Royce Lewis and Kirilov and Walner, mm. and we can finish up by talking about uh, a promotion of Brooks Lee yes. from AA yep. to AAA yesterday. Uh, Brooks Lee, 22 years old. He was their eighth overall pick last July, so he's been a pro for 13 months. He's already at AAA. Um, he was very good after signing last year, made it to, tr- to double A for the double A playoffs, playoffs last year, right. which is very aggressive, you know, a month after signing basically, uh, was a star player at Cal Poly, um, played for his dad at Cal Poly. The twins were thrilled to get him at number eight. He was sort of a consensus top three or four guy in the draft, but some pitchers got in the mix there and he dropped to them. Early on this season, they signed him to double-A full-time, which is really aggressive for a guy's first full season at 22, and he was good, but he wasn't like, oh, wow, look at these numbers. It was like- He had a real hot start and then slowed down a little bit in May. He was hitting 275, drew some walks, a lot of doubles, not many homers. Over the last month, basically, 25 games or so, he hit like 360, six or seven home runs, very low strikeout rate, a lot of walks, a lot of doubles. you know, it was apparent he's just one of the best players in the the Texas League, regardless of age. And for a 22 year old to do that, he's really impressive. So I think at, this at was shortstop at shortstop. Although <laughs> he won't be a shortstop, but um, I think it's beyond you know right to move him to Triple A. I think it's interesting that they announced Brooks Lee was going to Triple A yesterday morning, and then a couple hours later, after the Triple A team played a game. Without him, because he hadn't gotten there yet, yeah. they then announced two other prospects, Junior Severino. Yep. Wait uh, for him to get promoted, too. Yes, my friend Uncle Junior, uh-huh. Sopranos fans. <laughs> and then Deshaun Kersey also got promoted, but they waited because to make room for those two, they released two players from the Triple A roster, including Kersey's a center fielder, left handed hitting center fielder. So they released Mark Contreras, uh. who played. Yeah, yesterday morning's game oh, in center field, no. and I think had a hit. So they were waiting uh, from a roster standpoint. That's the downside to this stuff, which everyone loves the new big thing. Everyone loves to track prog- yeah. progress of prospects. This guy's in need of a promotion. But particularly when you get to the upper rungs of the minors, promotions to AAA mean releases more so than demotions because you're not going to send Mark Contreras – to double A, right. uh, you're just going to let him out of, the, of his contract let, and let he, find someplace else to play. You for, know, yeah. he's a guy who was pushed into action in the Twins outfield last year because they were just decimated by injuries, obviously, right. and he didn't fare particularly well. Although he had a few homers, he's he's just a a, a good, solid Triple A outfielder who I think could in, be in f- dis- different circumstances right. could have carved out a niche. As a three or four year fourth outfielder, he gets hot for yeah, a couple months right. and he makes a few million bucks or whatever. I mean, that's sort of how that works for guys. It's kind of a crapshoot of who who gets the chance and then right. who gets hot at the right time. You know, he he's not done. He's he, he's going to be able to latch on. Maybe not this season. It's kind of a tough time to get it's released kind of in August time, yeah. if you're a AAA player or whatever. But uh, that was the one. He's uh, I would describe him as a good dude. Great mustache. Yes. Uh, and I think he's an example of that fine line I talk about between this guy's a good AAA player and this guy could be a useful role player in the majors, but will he ever get that opportunity? Right. And sometimes a guy gets that opportunity 
and makes a career out of it. And sometimes the guy, you know, hits 150 in a month and then just gets deemed, oh, he's a AAA player for life, basically. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's not uncommon that you talk to, you know, guys who topped out at AAA or never really had much right. of a career. They had, you know, a couple of, couple of uh, cups of coffee in the majors and you talk to them about their career and they'll, they'll point to another guy. Right. They'll point to a veteran, a guy who played five, six years in the majors as a, you know, a left-handed bench, a, a bat. You know, Contreras has a lot of things that would be appealing. He can yes. play a lot of the outfield spots. He's left-handed. If he made a little right. bit more consistent contact, right. he'd be a perfect fourth outfielder. Right. Left-handed bat. He's got some pop. He can play all three spots. got a good arm in the outfield, right. good right. base runner, all that stuff. And I'm hoping he still gets that chance yeah, we'll someplace. See. We'll see. Uh, so, yeah, Brooks Lee is now at AAA. This organization is not where you want to be a left-handed out-hitting outfielder. That's <laughs> very true. Yeah, that is very true. Although that's what Kersey is, too. Uh, so just a little... I don't know. Hopefully, we've talked a lot about Brooksley, but Brooksley is. Uh, I'll give you a little three little mini scouting reports on these three guys, because what we always say. I say this about Triple A sometimes, but it's definitely or about Double A sometimes, but it's right. definitely true about Triple A. Once you're at Triple A, now they're not on the forty man roster. If you're at Triple A and you're on the forty man roster, you're probably going to play in the majors right. that season. Yes. Uh, if you're just at Triple A, which they didn't need to be added to the forty man roster yet in terms of Brooksley, but uh, I don't. I, I guess I wouldn't bet on him playing for the Twins this season just because that would be sure. very aggressive. But it's certainly not outside the realm of possibility. Yeah. You know, if Royce Lewis comes back and retweaks his, his oblique or something like that and they're just saying – We need somebody with their base. We need <laughs> yep. field help here. Yep. Uh, Brooksley is a, is a real possibility. I think certainly he's lined up to finish this year at AAA, do the old – you know, three, four weeks at AAA next year to uh, work on these rough edges <laughs> <coughs> service time and then get a shot in May of next year, let's see, or let's say, depending on spring training goes and all that. But uh, very promising prospect. Certainly a consensus top probably 30 or 40 at this point global yep. prospect. Yep. Uh, unlikely to stick at shortstop, although that's not necessarily what the Twins would need anyway. Right. But I've talked to people from the moment he was drafted who said, Gold glove potential at third base, a perfect fit at third base. Like, can play some shortstop, but he's a you know a bigger body than most shortstops. Not super fast, a little bit like Correa in that sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, good arm, but maybe not a Correa style arm. But you moved at the third base, all of a sudden the good hands are a lot more important than right. the, the mediocre range. Right. Now, Royce Lewis is a young guy who's playing third base. Now too. <laughs> yes. In my mind, the perfect or the I guess uh, ideal infield alignment. You know, let's say starting in the middle of next season going forward is Brooksley at third, Correa at short, Royce Lewis at, at second, second. Kirilov at first. I will also say that I personally believe Royce Lewis's best position would be center field, uh, which I don't think the Twins have ruled out long term, but they've ruled out this year. Uh, I talked to S S Scott Boris about that in person, <laughs> and uh, yeah. he didn't really love the idea, but I don't know that the Twins will care what he thinks right. about it beyond so, this first year yeah. once they get Lewis healthy. But well, um, and I would think, I mean, in terms of Royce Lewis's value, you know, right. uh, and value t both to a team, but eventually value on free agency, sure. it'd be a lot more valuable to be a center fielder than, than to a be second a second baseman. baseman. Yeah, true. I mean, it just depends. Are you right. a good center fielder? But right. yeah, yeah, obviously now Julian is in that mix, which is partly why yes. if you play Lewis in center, you could potentially continue to play Julian at second. Now that's its own issue. Yes. Um, Doe tweeted out, got me all hot and bothered, but then kind of 
threw cold water on it. He said, uh, hey, Julian's working out at first base here on the road on in St. Louis. And I yeah. thought, hey, have we kind of willed this into existence by saying, why don't they? And then uh, he talked to Julian afterward, and Julian was like, oh, I just was messing around taking some balls at first base. <laughs> so, we'll see. But I do think that would certainly help them without Kirloff in the picture. Right. If you could play Julian at first three times a week against righties, yeah. play Polanco back at second, yep. especially once Royce Lewis is back, then that would solve that long jam yep. a little bit. But we'll see. Um, the scouting report. And so Brooks Lee, what type of player does he project to be? I think he projects to be a very good defensive third baseman who could also play second, could also play some short, certainly. Um, he's a switch hitter. He's shown incredible doubles power, gap-to-gap kind of doubles power going back to college yep. in the minors. He's recently been adding – it's funny. like He only had like five home runs in the first half, but they were all just monster home runs. Right. And so people would watch him and go, he's not doing it often, but when he hits it, it stays yeah, hit. You can see what can right. happen. And right. so now we're starting to see he's up to like, I don't know, 12 home runs on the yeah. season or something yeah. like that. So, you know, I think realistically, and controls the strike zone very well from both sides of the plate, makes a lot of good contact, you know, line drive approach, doesn't strike out much, but also draws a lot of walks for a guy who's not a big slugger. Yeah. Um, and so, not going to be a speed guy, but I think projects as, you know, maybe a 285 hitter. With 30 or 40 doubles, 15, 20 homers, good defense, a lot of walks, low, low-ish strikeout rate. That's a you know ideal, let's say right. number two, number three type of hitter in a good lineup. Listen, we've been talking about the fact that he's a shortstop, but what the reason they were so excited to get him where they got him in the draft is because of his bat. Right, like he was one of the best pure hitters yeah, he hit like in the draft. Huge numbers at right. Cal Poly, th- yeah, two years in a row, player of the year in the in the conference, which. I know Cal Poly people are like, what is that? But they play in the same conferences like Cal State. Full. I mean, yes. baseball powerhouses are different than other sports. Right. Like it's not Alabama. It's not a baseball powerhouse. It's all these I mean, Cal he's got, schools. He's got other things going for him than the bat. Like he's a good he's right. a good fielder and he's a smart guy and he's a coach's son and all this right. other stuff. But it was the bat that made him you know, perceived to be a top five yes. pick that and the, ended up falling. And the bat looks every bit as legit right. uh, as they had hoped. Yeah. Uh, quick scouting reports on the other two that they promoted. Yeah, okay. Uh, Kersey is has become a favorite of mine. He's 26, and he was drafted like way back in I think, 2018 or something like that as a speed and defense left-handed hitting center fielder. But he just didn't really hit, right. and so you were like, "Is this guy even a fourth outfielder? Like he's right. got wheels and he's a good defender and he steals bases and all that." This year, finally, he showed some signs last year, I would say, but then this year at Double A, hitting near 300. A lot more power than he's ever shown before. Still, you know, not a great strike zone, uh, strikeout to walk ratio or anything. He's a, he's a free swinger. Tons of stolen bases. To me, he's at the very least an ideal fourth outfielder. Like we talked about Contreras. Sure. It's a Contreras skill set, but much better. Right. Like much more speed, a lot more um, contact. He's a legit, you know, center fielder in okay. the majors. Um, I like him a lot. I thought he was underrated. I'm glad to see him getting a bump up to AAA, especially he's 26. They're going to have to make a decision in terms of the 40-man right. roster yeah. with him and Severino, who I'm going to talk about in a second. So, yeah, I like Kersey, and certainly there's a need in center field. I'm not saying right now, but next year and beyond. If they believe in Kersey, and at least they they believe he's a legit center fielder defensively, whatever he can – and he can, he can run – Whatever he can give you offensively as you know the strong side of a the left handed side of a platoon, let's say, I think could be a really nice role player for them. Cheap, fill the role. At worst, he's a backup. So I I, I hope he does well enough here down the stretch at AAA that adding him to the forty man roster and protecting him from the Rule Five draft 
becomes sort of a no-brainer um, because, you know, he's a he's a marginal guy in that sense at 26. Somebody that Nick Gordon should be worried about? Yeah, I mean, I don't know where a role would be for Nick Gordon at this point, right. um, you know, even if he does come back. But, yeah, sim- I mean, for Nick stylistically, here, right? yeah. he's similar to Nick Gordon. Mm-hmm. I, I hate to say this, but I think Nick Gordon's Maybe he comes back, gets a few games in this year. I mean, he's coming back from a fractured fibula. Yeah, yeah. That's a significant injury. Um, but he's walking around. He's do- <laughs> he's doing better. I just I don't know where he would fit beyond this season. And he's out of options, obviously. So, yeah. uh, Junior Severino uh, is a guy they've left unprotected from the Rule Five Draft <laughs> yeah. uh, last two off seasons, and he's gone unpicked, having kind of a breakout year yes. uh, at Double A, and he's still twenty three, twenty four. He's he can hit for power. Uh, he's a switch hitter. Uh, hits for power from both sides of the plate. He's got, I don't know, 25 homers already this year. Um, huge power numbers, slugging like almost 600 in the Texas League. The question for him is twofold. One, is he going to make any contact whatsoever? Big, right. big strikeout rate. And it's gotten worse as he's gone up in the minors. He draws a fair amount of walks, but I think some of that's because of the power that they're just scared of him. You know, is he going to, we talked about it with Walner, can he be a 30% strikeout guy, not a 35, 40% right. strikeout guy? And then the bigger picture question with him, as we just talk every year about these bats that the Twins have who are moving down the defensive spectrum, at some point we're talking about with Walner, with Julian, with Larnick, all this, with a rise, you can't just have nine DHs. Right. And he's sort of trending in that direction. He plays third base and second base. You know, I think he's fringy passable at both right. maybe but he's not a guy who you're going to want to play at either spot now if he's hitting 25 homers a year similar to julian at second base sure. you know there are offensive levels that make you willing to play a guy at at defensively who isn't there but i think realistically severino's a first base dh type who can play a little bit of uh the two infield spots which is it's tough it's it'll tough be to, to crack see, out lineup it'll be interesting like, to see where they play him at triple a because in double a yeah, they were moving him around quite a bit. Right. Like you, most of I think third, oh, I think over half of his starts were at third base, but a quarter of those starts were at second base. A quarter of those starts in left field, and you know it's not unusual for the Twins to do that when they're not really sure what they're going to do with the guy. Right. <laughs> right? Let's let's play him all around and see what happens. You know that also. You know that there is also sort of that, that's interesting as sort of a you know utility player bench bat like a guy that for you sure can, I could definitely you, see that type that, of role that you know he's he's a guy that you bring in like we need some we need to add some power right here in the late innings and you know he's not going to kill us too much at second right. base or third I mean, base although that stylistically seem very Baldelli ish to do that but <laughs> true <laughs> like stylistically they're extremely different. But it's it could almost be like a Solano type of role yes which is like yeah he's mostly a first baseman. He can pinch hit. He can DH. Right. He can play some second. He can play some third if you need him to. You know, obviously the the bat's going to carry him. But he's another guy. He's either going to be added to the forty man roster this off season, you know, as soon as the season's over, or he's going to be eligible again for the the Rule Five. Now he's been passed over in the Rule Five before, but you know he's going to have right. put up monster numbers at Double A and potentially good numbers at Triple A to end of the season. So, um, and then the last minor league note that was. Uh, fun yesterday is walker jenkins made his oh, yeah. professional debut yeah. uh as expected in the florida complex league which is at the spring training site of the twins that's right. where they play their home games yeah. uh at one of the backfields basically uh it's the lowest level of um professional baseball in the united states for for affiliated teams um 
the lower level is like the Dominican Summer League, right. which is like when you sign a guy for at 16, you send him to that. Then a year later, you bring him over to right. America to play in the Florida Complex League. Um, he hit a double in his first at-bat. I think they said on the first pitch he saw. Oh, really? Now, I then saw that double. It was down the was, line. It was a yeah, squib right. down the line. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever. He, wait, he waited on it. Yeah. <laughs> in my head, I'm picturing he banged it off the right center field no. wall or something like that. Yeah. And then he got a single later and he stole a base. So two hits and a steal in his debut. He was the DH there. Um, you know, he part of the beauty of MLB putting in place this much shorter timeline for draft picks to sign. It used to drag out right. into August. You basically have three weeks after the draft to sign, and we saw Walker Jenkins was the last guy to sign, right. and yet it's you know first week of August, and he's playing professionally right yep. now. It gives you, at minimum, a month to kind of get your feet wet and, like I said, show you're not a lemon. Right. Yes, like right. It's not going to take many more games like yesterday's where you can at least say, the guy's not a lemon. <laughs> like, he might <laughs> yeah, not right. be a great player. We'll see, but... Um, you know, ten games in for Keanu Cavaco, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like, story. oh, we might have a lemon here. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's fun. I think, um, you know, what's a realistic timeline for him in terms of, you know, he's gonna, I would guess, no matter how well he does in rookie ball, he's gonna stay in rookie ball. I think they could. Yeah, this at, is not a Brooks Lee situation where he's a polished twenty-two no. year old, twenty-one right, year old thing. This is a seven, well, eighteen year old now, yeah, but fresh early 18. eighteen, yeah. You know, it's possible next year at what would be his 19 season, his age 19 season, that they would put him at low A, which yeah, is Fort Myers. Myers yeah. But that's awfully aggressive for a high school draft pick. I think more likely would be he kind of does extended spring training for a little bit, plays again in the Florida Complex League, then goes, you know, month or two season in or like to, to join Fort Myers. From there, I mean, they're not going to be – aggressive aggressive with him like the goal is not to get him to the majors at 20 right but you can kind of choose your own adventure at that point yeah. i mean if he goes to the right. to low to low a and he just knocks the f out of pitchers yeah. you're yeah. not going to keep him and, at and low he, a for that he, long if he doesn't well right that's <laughs> that kinda, maybe stays a little more time right, at low a exactly right. yeah. so i don't know i mean i guess the, a good outcome for him in terms of progressing to the majors would be to get there at I don't know, 22 yeah let's right. say uh, which is roughly where Brooks, Brooks Lee is, is right, right now, now on, yep. the, on the verge of that. Yep. And that's, that's you know, some, once in a while you see a Bryce Harper or Juan Soto make it at 1920 or whatever, right. but that's that's not really the, the goal or the, the path that they put out. Uh, okay. That's uh, that is that's probably not. They, yeah. Anything else we that we didn't cover? Let's see. I'm looking just to check my notes. I was on the uh, a show with A.J. Pruszynski. Adam Jones, the old Orioles center fielder, and Todd Frazier, okay. the uh, yeah. third baseman yeah, who right. for a bunch of teams, talking about uh, the Twins deadline. And I was talking to Pierzynski. It's a YouTube show. It's called Fall Territory that they've uh, – I don't know. It's kind of – it's a little bit like the Pat McAfee football show. <laughs> okay. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, and it's a little bit like maybe John Boy with Plouffe and everything okay. where it's like just a bunch of former players getting around. They get – they get, I was going to say good guests, but I was in the mix. So. <laughs> but they get big name guests right. other than me. Uh, and they get a lot. Like Max Muncy was the guest before me. Okay. And then it was like, yeah, okay, yeah. thanks, Max. Next up, Aaron Gleeman. It was like, boy, that's a, <laughs> that's a drop off. But a, a couple things. They were, uh, I would say, similarly 
confused Baffled. about the twins' lack of movement. That's right. why they had me on to talk about that. Yeah. And obviously, AJ, I'm not saying he's close to the twins, but no. he's got some insight yeah, into the right. twins. Yeah. He's been here a couple times this season to broadcast right. their games. I talked to him in the clubhouse uh, maybe a month ago or something. So he, he definitely has connections with the twins. And he was talking about a lot of the same stuff we were. And they were saying, uh, I think Todd Frazier was like, they could have just. I wanted to be like they could have used you, just a <laughs> yeah, right-handed, right. yeah, exactly right. Or yeah. honestly, prime Adam Jones would right. have been uh, whatever. But the other funny thing that AJ, I wasn't. I I've not heard the show much, so I don't uh-huh. know. Like you know, sometimes we'll have a guest on, and they don't know like our dumb jokes. They don't know like <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. we've yeah. been obsessively right. talking about Matt Walner for right. whatever. Yeah, so right. yeah. those like I think they should get Matt Walner a shot. And it's like <laughs> yeah, we buddy. And so. The, Brzezinski was like, what is your take at this point on the arise for Lopez trade? And I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. And he goes, uh, do you do you still think it was a reasonable trade? And I said, look, I do think it was a reasonable trade. I think time will show that it was a reasonable trade for both sides. But right now, if you trade away a guy and he's hitting 380, you've right. made a bad trade right. in the moment. And so I'm expecting them to be like, yeah, that was a mistake trading away a rise because any sort of – cliched sure. fan right. is like, how could they tra-? And Przinsky goes, oh, I disagree. You need the pitching. And I'm like, oh, wait, we took a completely different <laughs> stance on this. And then the other funny thing that he said, they were joking with him about being an ex-twin and everything. And I said, you know, how does it feel to forever be the greatest trade in the history of the Minnesota Twins <laughs> sending you to San Francisco. Right. And he was like, oh, you really think so? And I said, they might build a statue for you outside <laughs> Target Field. And then I said, at the very least, if they ever retire Joe Nathan's number, there should be a little like something uh, stapled to it. That's just a picture of AJ Przinsky giving a thumbs up. <laughs> and they were laughing at that. And I realized, oh, okay, that's the way to get to these guys' hearts <laughs> to just make fun of AJ Przinsky. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was, I rarely go on camera, as you know. Yeah. And I had a nice. So, this was on camera. Yeah, this was on oh, camera. Oh, I didn't catch that. I had a nice big old pimple on my nice. forehead, good. which it looks like I had a dented forehead on the camera. <laughs> uh, but I made an exception in this case because I thought. How often are uh, sure. three former All-Stars with $200 million in career earnings going to invite you on to give your opinions about their sport? <laughs> I wanted to say that. I was like, what do you need me here for? Right, like, exactly right. So anyway, it's called the foul territory. I linked to it on, on Twitter or whatever. And I think – let's see. I don't, we didn't even talk about Buxton's hamstring injury. I know. Which apparently these hamstring injuries are going around. But yeah. um, that's another thing by roster-wise. It's a side effect of pink eye. Yeah. <laughs> Weakened hamstrings. Um <laughs> That could very well lead to an IL stint, certainly. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he's missing out two games, yeah. obviously. Yeah. And all the kind of what happens when. I mean, look at this. They don't have an off day for a while. Think either. of how how we always preach this, but it's impossible to remember in the moment of this stuff will work itself yep. out before you actually yep. have to make a decision. And think how funny it is in this Keiko situation. Which is they literally had forty eight hours after right. the point at which he opted out, and at like hour forty, they were like Joe Ryan's got an injury; he's going on yeah. the IL. Yeah, and right. you know we talk about what's going to happen with Gallo. Is he going to get DFA'd? No, actually, Kirilov's going to go on the IL about five minutes before they would have had right. to DFA Gallo, and on and on and on. And as we're talking about, well, what happens when Royce Lewis is ready, or what happens when this guy's ready? It's like, well, what if Buxton just goes back on the IL or something? So it's it's unfortunate because. He had been rip. He's been ripping double since he came back. Yeah. Like he's actually had better at bats. He had a couple of hits against lefties. Versus coming back from paternity leave. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Which yeah. was uh, what seventy two hours or right. Okay. So, 
Um, we will be back Monday, Monday for the Patreon crowd. Yep. Arizona which, Diamondbacks. Yes. Series, which tough team. Hopefully, yes. And meanwhile, Cleveland's facing the White Sox, which. Not a tough team. No. So. I don't even know who who's in the White Sox bullpen at this point. <laughs> uh, right. We'll be, so, yeah, we'll be back Monday. P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Cleveland to join us. Join us down the street. Join us for the pivot race. If you join us today and you stick with, with us through the Twins World Series run, It'll probably cost you like 10 bucks. Also, um, you can go back and uh, listen to the uh, rant that we did on Tuesday True. night. As we the archives the, are if, yeah, totally once free. You, once you sign up, you don't actually have to pay anything until we publish a new episode. Right. It's a dollar the for old new stuff episodes. You get. Yeah. yeah. So, go, go listen to that's right. various rants. Thanks to our advertisers, RotoWire. Good to have you guys back. Soda Stick, BetterHelp, and Game Time. We'll be back on Monday for the Patreon crowd. My guess is Wednesday, we're probably doing a mailbag. Uh, to bag, you know, to maybe the final touch on the uh, trade deadline uh, therapy sessions that we're doing. And then uh, otherwise, we'll be talking to you next Friday. I, I will be in Philadelphia uh, after covering two, uh, watching two games in Detroit and getting ready for a Phillies game. Well, so that'll be a Zoom, uh, a Zoom podcast. We'll talk to you guys then.